Some are the physical forces, the strength, the ability that a person has in his physical self. But that is very limited. And then there are certain abilities, certain strengths, certain forces that are within the person, in his heart. And among these forces, one of the greatest things, greatest force within a person is the force of muhabbat, which sometimes makes the impossible, apparently impossible possible, makes the unimaginable imaginable and makes it a reality also. But this muhabbat is sometimes channeled in the wrong direction, then it does the same thing in the negative sense. That what was unimaginable in the negative sense, that becomes suddenly reality. <coughs> what seemed impossible on the negative side of things, that becomes suddenly possible. A person is caught up in the wrong muhabbat. Then anybody and everybody can say anything, but that is it. Somebody says to him, but by this is something going to harm your deen and dunya, everything will get destroyed. I know what I'm doing. See through my eyes, then you'll see the same thing. But that has taken hold of him, nobody and nothing can come in his way. That is the force of muhabbat. So if this muhabbat in the wrong direction can take a person to such an extreme, that his parents then mean nothing to him, the whole of society means nothing to him. The Ahlullah of the time can mean nothing. Thus that has taken hold of him. If this muhabbat comes in the right direction, then to what height it will take a person? And therefore, we find that one of the most fundamental things for this insan is muhabbat. And Nabi Islam also taught us to ask for this muhabbat. And the first thing is the muhabbat of Allah. 
the dua, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam taught us a very concise dua. And that the dua, the one portion of it which pertains to what we are discussing, starts off with, just for the benefit of the dua itself, Allahumma inni asaluka fi'l al-khayrat. Oh Allah, I ask of you to enable me to do all the righteous actions. وَتَرْكَ munkarat And enable me to give up all the evil actions. وَحُبَّ masakin And enable me to love the poor. Because if a person will love the poor, then he will have compassion for them. Then he will have humility also. Because that will now enable him to be part of the poor. Otherwise, if the person has no love for the poor, he will be wanting to stay away from them. So this will bring humility also. وَأَنْتَغْفِرَ لِي وَتَرْحَمَنِي And Allah, you forgive me, I ask you to forgive me and have mercy upon me. وَإِذَا أَرَدْتَ بِقَوْمٍ فِتْنَةً فَتَوَخَّنِي غَيْرَ مَفْتُونِ Allah, if you intend to bring a calamity, some kind of test upon a people, Ya Allah, take me away before the test in a condition that I am not involved in any calamity of any fitna. And thereafter, Nabi Sallallahu teaches us what relates to the topic, Allahumma inni as'aluka hubbak. Oh Allah, I ask for your love. And this love is so important, wa hubba man yuhibbuk. Oh Allah, grant me the love of those who love you. Allah grant me your love. That is the main thing, that's the essence of it all. But together with that, the dua, Nabi Sallallahu teaches us, وَحُبَّ مَنْ يُحِبُّكُ Allah grant me the love of those who love you. And who loved Allah tabarak wa ta'ala more than Nabi Sallallahu And by extension, all those in every era who are the true lovers of Allah tabarak wa ta'ala. They are asking for their love. Because their love will take us to the love of Allah Ta'ala. Because when a person loves somebody, he follows that person. Now this person is a lover of Allah Ta'ala, so he'll be obedient to Allah Ta'ala. The person who loves him will follow him, he'll also reach Allah Ta'ala. Oh Allah, grant me the love of those actions that will make me reach you and reach to your love. And then further Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, Allahumma shal hubbaka, ahabba, ilayya min nafsi, wa ahli, wa min al ma'il barid. Oh Allah, make your love more beloved to me than myself, than my family, and then cold water on a hot day. We perhaps may not appreciate this, but in a very hot place where there isn't the facilities we have that a person opens a fridge and takes the cold water when he wants or just gets the water out of a cooler but on a hot day where these facilities are not available and then somebody presents cold water to somebody how that alhamdulillah comes out from his heart Ya Allah make your love more beloved to me than that desire of that cold water on a hot day so the love of Allah wa ta'ala is the greatest thing this comes everything else falls into place. And then Allah Ta'ala uses that very same link, because this is the greatest force. When this force comes in, then it will propel a person. So Allah Ta'ala now calls us, calls out to us 
using this very same issue. O Nabi of Allah, you declare unto them, say unto them, if you claim to love Allah, then there has to be some kind of evidence for this claim. And the evidence to the claim is, And then you must follow me. And if you follow me, follow the lifestyle of Rasulullah Allah Ta'ala will love you, Allah Ta'ala will forgive your sins. So we find that this is the crux of it all, that the love of Allah Ta'ala has to be deep down in our hearts, which will bring the love of Nabi Wasallam, and as a result, the ita'at and the following and obedience of Nabi Wasallam. And this will take us to the right path and take us to the road of Jannah. The Sahaba understood this very clearly. They understood this 100%. And therefore we find that this force of muhabbat, it took them to show those kinds of, undertake those kind of feats, which humanly it is impossible to think about. But they did it and showed us. The incidents are very well known. We have heard them over and over again. And we should be repeating them over and over again. Find that as far as the discussion of the beloved personality of Rasulullah is concerned, there is no specific time and place for a specific discussion. The Sahaba, you will not find in their lives any particular occasion where they gathered specifically to discuss the Bisa's life for that moment in time. This was an ongoing thing. It was a daily thing. And they would daily be discussing something or the other about Nabi Sallallahu What did he do? What did he say? How did he do certain thing? What did he teach on a certain occasion? And they were constantly discussing and asking one another and teaching one another this. But because we have now slipped up so far, from time to time we need to remind ourselves what is our duty towards Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? And what is required of us in terms of obedience to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? The first thing is to know who our beloved Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is. We know much about other things, but about our beloved Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And there is no personality, no person on the face of this earth, whoever came on the face of this earth, whose life has been recorded and preserved to that detail, that the life of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has Every minute detail about his Mubarak life is authentically preserved for us. So that nobody will ever have an excuse, I don't know who the personality is. Whether it is the type, what kind of hair he had, or what kind of shoes he wore, the description of his eyebrows, and the description of to what length was his lower garment. What was the Mubarak countenance of Rasulullah his Mubarak face, how did it shine to every other detail. Hazrat Jabir ibn Samura says that I once came out on a moonlit night and there I see Nabi Sallallahu standing outside. I would sometimes look at Rasulullah and sometimes look at the moon. 
and I did this couple of times, eventually I too. Now, my heart gave testimony, فَلَهُ وَأَحْسَنُ عِنْدِي مِنَ الْقَبَرِ Indeed, Nabi Wasallam was more handsome than the moon also. Anas says, وَمَا مَسِسْتُ دِبَاجًا وَلَا حَرِيرًا أَلْيَنَ مِنْ كَفِّ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم. I have never touched any silk which was more softer than the palm of Rasulullah I have never smelt any fragrance which was more sweeter in its more sweeter than the natural fragrance of the body of Rasulullah than his perspiration. Aisha Siddiqa says that once I was trying to thread a needle, but it was very Dimly lit, the light was insufficient for them. Handled or extinguished or something at that moment, and Nabi Sasu walked into that room. And in the glow of his noor, I'd managed to thread that needle. Physically, also Allah Ta'ala gave him kamal and perfection. Which is Hassan Hassan says, Wa ahsana minka lam aini, wa ajmala minka lam talidin nisa'u. كَأَنَّكَ خُلِقْتَ مُبَرَّأً مِّن كُلِّ عَيْبٍ كَأَنَّكَ قَدْ خُلِقْتَ كَمَا تَشَاءُ More beautiful than you know I have seen. More handsome than you know woman has ever given birth to. You have been created free from every blemish and defect. As if you were created how you desired. How did Nabi Sassam walk authentically recorded for us? كَأَنَّمَا يَنْحَطُّ مِنْ سَبَبٍ وَإِذَا مَشَى تَقَلَّعَ When he walked, he picked up his feet properly over, up from the ground. He didn't drag his feet. It appeared as if he was walking in a downward incline. This was out of the humility with which he walked. That though he was walking on a flat surface, it appeared as if he was walking on a downward incline with the humility that he walked. وَإِذَا الْتَفَتَ إِلْتَفَتَ جَمِيعًا if somebody had to call him from the right or the left, out of his humility, he would turn entirely. He wouldn't just merely turn his head to see what's going on, who's calling me. No, he turned completely. وَإِذَا أَشَارَ أَشَارَ بِكَفِّهِ If he had to gesture, it wasn't just by the indication of some finger, he gestured with his entire palm. Every detail about the life of Nabi Sallallahu recorded. What excuse can there be then for anybody to say, I didn't know who Nabi Sassam was? Apart from saying that I didn't try to know. <coughs> so whether it was his physical self, regarding that everything is recorded and authentically preserved, whether about his actions, all preserved, his statements, preserved, everything has been recorded for us and preserved for us. Now the whole, everything lies on us, to now take this and bring it to our lives and pass it on to others. Therefore Allah wa ta'ala says, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا That indeed, the Nabi of Allah wa ta'ala is an uswatun hasana. What is uswa? Uswa is something that is meant to be followed. Like an architect draws a plan. And you do the plan, now the person wants to build a house. He has to follow the plan millimeter to millimeter. 
He decides to do his own thing. The plan says this must be this length. He says, well, add a few more centimeters, what difference it makes. Then now suddenly the roof is not tying up. Now the roof starts leaking because he did his own thing. Now the windows are not fitting or the walls are cracking because he decided to do his own thing. He didn't follow the plan. Allah's beloved Nabi is the plan of our life. His life is the plan of our life. And Allah Ta'ala says this, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا So total obedience to the Mubarak lifestyle of Rasulullah The Sahaba, we find that this was in their lives. As Usman radiallahu ta'ala an, he is in Makkah Mukarramah, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam sent him on the occasion of the Treaty of Hudaybiyah. Nabi Sallallahu was prevented from coming to Makkah Mukarramah. He had come for Umrah. Quraysh prevented him from coming. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to go and negotiate with the Quraysh. So the next morning he stays the night with his cousin. The next morning he is leaving now to go and negotiate with the Quraysh. So his cousin says to him that look, you are going to negotiate with these people, these big people. So they mustn't, mustn't happen that they look down upon you. Otherwise the whole negotiation will get scuttled. See, they wear their garments way below their ankles. Yours is very high up. It's by your shin. So you should also lower your garments so that they don't look down upon you. You don't look out of place. But Hazrat Usman in front of him, normally they say when in Rome, do as the Romans do. But the Sahaba learned something that whether you are in Rome or whether you are at home, you only do what Nabi Sallallahu taught. So his immediate response was, La, ha kaza izratu sahibina sallallahu No, never. This is how is the izar and the lower garment of our master sallallahu alayhi wa That it is way above the ankle, this is how I'll keep mine. What others do, that doesn't influence me. What Nabi Islam teaches, that is what influences me. Abdullah bin Mas'ud he is standing at the doorway outside the masjid. And there are others who had just come in and they were standing still, hadn't seated themselves. So addressing those who were inside, Nabi Islam said, sit down. Because people were still standing and he meant them to sit down. So those who were already inside, the Islam said to them, sit down. But this came into the ears of Abdullah bin Mas'ud Allah who was outside. So he sat down there and there. And Nabi Islam saw him, he called him in. But no, this wasn't meant for you, this was meant for those who were inside. And the response was that I also thought so. But when the words of Allah's Nabi came that sit, it was impossible for Abdullah bin Mas'ud to take one step forward. Then he had to sit also, wherever he was. Because Allah's Nabi Sallallahu said, sit. This was the jazbah and the zeal of obedience in the life of the Sahaba. That what Allah's Nabi Sallallahu has taught, that is it. So this is that uswatun hasana, the life of Nabi Sallallahu which we are meant to follow as well. When we talk about this uswa, Firstly, just to complete this ayat, what Allah Ta'ala says, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا لِمَنْ كَانَ يَرْجُ اللَّهَ وَالْيَوْمَ الْآخِرَ وَذَكَرَ اللَّهَ كَثِيرًا What this ayat conveys is, that that person will truly take unto this uswa. That person will take this wholeheartedly, who has three qualities in him. 
and what is meant is to develop these three qualities. To the extent we will develop these three qualities, the Suswa will become beloved to us and we want to prefer it over anything and everything else. One is Imankana Yerjullah wal Yawmal Akhir, number two. The crux of which is Iman in Allah, Iman. That to the extent that there will be the strength of Iman, to that extent there will be the preference of the Uswa of Rasulullah And to the extent that there will be weakness of Iman, to that extent there will be preference of the ways of others over the lifestyle of the Nisafis. <coughs> so that strength of Iman is required. Because that will make up, that is the light. When a person doesn't have light, he can't distinguish where's the snake and where's the stick. He then holds a snake and he thinks he's picking up a stick, which will benefit him. Meanwhile, he's sucking what will harm him. So the light is a light of Iman. And how will this light of Iman shine? That requires its effort. And together with that effort on Iman, a person excessively remembers Allah Then this will make the uswa of Nabi Sallallahu beloved to him. So the strength of Iman together with the constant remembrance of Allah Ta'ala, this will now make that uswa beloved to him. He will take it wholeheartedly. So when we talk of this uswa, the sunnah, often our minds go only to the external aspects. Indeed, this too is a fundamental part of the Uswa. For one moment we should not underestimate this. So, this is something which we will come to just now. But, there is another part of the Uswa also. And the Sunnah of Nabi Sallallahu And that is the inner part of it. The Sunnah which pertain to the inner self which is often overlooked. For example, just to take some examples, part of the sunnah of Nabi Wasallam in one hadith Nabi Wasallam himself describes. He addresses Hazrat Anas and he says to him, Ya Bunayya, O my beloved son, just branching off before this, we talking about Hazrat Anas Part of the sunnah of Nabi Sallallahu is his akhlaq, his character. What kind of character he displayed? We, alhamdulillah, sometimes take the effort to bring some sunnahs in our lives. And every sunnah, we can never imagine the extent of benefit it brings to us. Allah Ta'ala says in the Qur'an al-Karim, قُلْ إِنْ كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهَ فَاتَّبِعُونِي يُحْبِبُكُمُ اللَّهِ Follow me, Allah Ta'ala will love you. A person should have this yaqeen that if I entered the toilet in the sunnah manner with my left foot first, having already read the dua before entering the toilet, with my head covered, and fulfilling the adab that had been taught in this regard, and then I came out again in the manner that Nabi Sassim taught, then I must have that full yaqeen, yuhbibukumullah. I have come one step closer to the muhabbat of Allah because this is the promise of Allah Ta'ala in the Qur'an. فَاتَّبِعُونِي Follow my way of life. يُحْبِبْكُمُ Allah. Allah will love you. So I have achieved some degree of the love of Allah Ta'ala. If I have made wudu in the sunnah manner, conscious of how I am performing my wudu, 
and I'm fulfilling the sunnah of wudu, I must have that yaqeen that Allah Ta'ala's love is being received. If I'm doing any aspect in the way that Nabi Sallallahu is taught, this is a guaranteed way of gaining the love of Allah Ta'ala. It's not something to be done and just regarded as one of those things. No. Is this anything less that a person has fulfilled a sunnah, he has received the love of Allah Ta'ala. And he will receive the maghfirat from Allah Ta'ala also. So nevertheless we are talking about the akhlaq of Nabi Islam. This too is part of his sunnah. But Anas says, he was brought by his mother into the company of Nabi Islam when he was a child. He was only 10 years old. And his mother said to Nabi Islam, make him your khadim, your servant. So he says, I then stayed with Nabi Islam for 10 years. For 10 long years. In the 10 long years, once also he didn't say to me, uff. With a servant, and servant who make mistakes, once also he didn't say to me, uff. And never did he in that 10 long years say to me, if I did something, meaning which I wasn't supposed to have done, why did you do this? I did some work wrongly or whatever, misplaced something, or perhaps did something in a way which probably spoiled it, whatever it was. He never asked me why you did things like this. Or if I was supposed to have fulfilled some task, some khidmat I was asked to do, and I didn't do it, he never asked me why you didn't do it. He once the beast asked sent me on one errand. I went on the errand, and on the way I see some other children playing, so I got involved in watching what they are playing. He was a child still. After some time he says, the beast of himself comes along. And he sees me standing there because so long had gone, I still haven't returned. So he looks at me and says, I'm sure you are going to fulfill that task. So he says, I say, yes, I'm going to fulfill it. And I did. In ten years, never said, oh, the akhlaq of the beast house. This akhlaq is such a great sunnah. Today, what is our akhlaq? Where we find that those kind of heart-rendering incidents, where somebody, his wife gave him tea late and he got five minutes late for a meeting, they gave him three talaks. We're not talking about years ago, we're talking about fresh incidents. This is akhlaq. Whereas Nabi Sallallahu the akhlaq with his wives, this is the ittiba that we have to be bringing to our lives. Whereas Nabi Karim Sallallahu himself says, the best among you is the one who is best to his wives. And among everybody, I am the best to my wives. The best among you is the one who has the best akhlaq, the best character. This is the ittiba. So nevertheless, we are talking about the sunnah of Nabi Sallallahu the inner sunnahs. Nabi Sallallahu addresses Anas ta'ala an, and he says to him, Ya Bunayya, O my beloved son, in qadarta an tusbiha wa tumsiya wa laysa fi qalbika ghishun li ahadin taf'al. O my beloved son, that make sure you do this. This is the sum total of it. This is what it's being referred to. That make sure you do this. That whether you start the morning or whether you 
terminate the evening, you are starting the night. Do it in such a way that your heart is clean of malice for anybody. You have no dirt in your heart for anybody. Why? فَإِنَّ ذَلِكَ مِنْ سُنَّتِي Because that is part of my sunnah. فَإِنَّ ذَلِكَ مِنْ سُنَّتِي وَمَنْ أَحَبَّ سُنَّتِي كَانَ مَعِي فِي الْجَنَّةِ And on this Nabi Sassim says, the one who will love my sunnah will be with me in Jannah. <coughs> now, to eat in the proper sunnah manner, that is also sunnah. That also earns great reward. And to sleep in the sunnah manner is also sunnah. And that too earns great reward. And to enter the masjid in the sunnah manner is also sunnah. And that also earns great reward. And likewise, all the other day-to-day things we do. But this is also part of the day-to-day things. <coughs> that our heart is always clean. Insan is insan. Sometimes the wife will say something and sometimes because as it is, as one person says, that as far as a human, average human being is concerned, says that the average human being in a day he speaks about 25,000 words. Average human being. Allah alam where they give the statistics. He says the average human being in a day he speaks about 25,000 words. And he says generally, most men when they come home, by the time they reach home, they've already spoken about 24,950. <laughs> and the wife has only spoken 58 for the day. So she's still got 24,950 left. Now in that process, what happens after that? Then Allah knows best. So, as one child, the inspector of the school came in and he decided to ask this child a question. So he said that, why do you call it mother tongue? Whereas, father also speaks the same language. What's the reason they call it mother tongue? So a small child, so he thought about it a little bit and said, actually what is the reason is, that my mother speaks so much that my father doesn't get a chance to speak. That's why they call it mother tongue. So nevertheless, that is on the sideline. The issue is that we are talking about that Nabi Sallallahu taught us akhlaq. <coughs> that this is the type of akhlaq he taught. This is part of his sunnah. That the heart be completely clean with regards to everyone. This can be given the title of sunnah. Those attributes of iman. For instance, the attribute of haya, of modesty and shame. Regarding which Nabi Sallallahu says, Al-Hayā'u minal iman Hayā is from iman. It stems from iman. Without iman, there's no hayā. Without iman, hayā can't come and if there's no hayā left, iman will go away. Inna al-hayā'a wal-imāna qurana'u jami'a Idha rufi'a ahaduhuma rufi'a al-ākhar That iman and hayā, they coexist. One goes, the other will go. Both exist together. What was Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam hayā? كَانَ أَشَدَّ حَيَاءً مِنَ الْعَذْرَاءِ فِي خِدْرِهَا That Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam had more hayā than a loose translation of this would be than a bride on her first night. More hayā he had. Now this is what the uswa of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. We have to now put ourselves on this plan and see where we fit. What is the level of our hayā? The hayā of our families. The hayā of our sisters and mothers and daughters in terms of 
the biggest expression of what is the level of haya, generally the biggest expression of this is in clothing and dressing. What is the level of haya in the, in the type of dressing that is being adopted? <coughs> is it a completely immodest dress that the West has put forward? Or is it that haya which Hazrat Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha, she displayed? That haya Hazrat Aisha radiallahu anha displayed? The Ummahatul Mu'mineen displayed? The Ashabiyat displayed? Which was the haya that Nabi Sallallahu taught the Ummah? So this is also part of the Sunnah. Sunnahs of inside, bringing haya into our lives. The sunnah of simplicity, al-bazazatu min al-iman. Nabi Sahih says that verily, innal bazazatu min al-iman. Simplicity is a part of iman. This too is a part of the life of Nabi Sahih. In this time and age, the Ahlullah say that to ask us to come down to simplicity is perhaps asking too much. But at least we have to start thinking of now staying where we are and not aspiring to continuously see what others have and try to acquire the same. But wherever we are in terms of basic necessities and some degree of comfort, but where it becomes a passion, whatever is coming out in the market, I must have it. Whatever others have done, I must do it. And this becomes the cycle in which a person lives. Then this is nowhere close to what Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has taught us. Innal min al-Iman. This is part of also the Sunnah of Nabi Sallallahu In this way, all the various things, there are so many details regarding which Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has taught. The crux of all this is that we have to come, we have to learn the life of Rasulullah sallallahu We have to bring his way of life into our life. This uswaya hasana. In one ayat of the Quran Kareem, Allah Ta'ala says, لَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ رَسُولٌ مِّنْ أَنْفُسِكُمْ Part of the sunnah of Nabi sallallahu Which is part of his life. لَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ رَسُولٌ مِّنْ أَنْفُسِكُمْ Indeed, a Rasul has come to you from among you. And now what is his sunnah? What is this special aspect about him? Azizun alayhi ma'anittum. That whatever causes you difficulty is very, very hard upon him. Something that causes you difficulty is very hard upon him. Like that child, the child, if the child is sick, the mother is more sick than the child. If the child can't sleep, if the child is restless, the mother is more restless than the child more than a mother can ever love her child was the love Nabi Sassam had for his Ummah. A very famous hadith which I recall discussing on many occasions previously but it's something which we should always keep in the front of our minds. Where that occasion where Aisha Anha, she saw Nabi Sassam very happy and taking advantage of the opportunity she says make dua for me. So Nabi Sassam makes dua for her Allahumma khfilli Aishata ma taqaddama min zamliha ma taakhar O Allah, forgive all the shortcomings of Aisha radiallahu Whatever might have happened in the past or the future, openly, secretly, whatever shortcomings you may have, forgive it. Now to us this is just a dua. But those who know what is the value of the dua of Rasulullah and the value of the dua for maghfirat, 
that if somebody receives maghfirat from Allah Ta'ala, then what is he short of? She becomes so happy at this dua, that as a result of that joy, she can't contain the joy, her head comes right down to her lap. Nabi Sallallahu sees this, and he asks her, Ayasurruki dua ya Aisha? That has my dua made you happy? Does it make you happy, O Aisha? So she says, yes, why not? What a wonderful dua. The Nabi of Allah, Ta'ala, making such a beautiful dua for me. Nabi Sallallahu says, Innaha la da'wati li ummati ba'da kulli salatin. That this is the dua I make for my ummah after every salah. So that Nabi who remembered us after every salah, and not only after every salah, in between it all the times also. Who, which mother can have more love for her child than the love that Nabi Sallallahu had with his ummah? So this is what Allah Ta'ala is speaking about here. That whatever is of any source of difficulty to the ummah, this is very hard upon Nabi Sallallahu Now this is something that we have to judge ourselves on. That the ummah is facing different situations, how does this affect us? Does it affect us to the extent that sometimes we at least even make dua for them? Raise our hands in our private moments. Ask Allah wa ta'ala to ease the plight of the ummah. Does it bring us to one step further that sometimes we make two rakats, ratul haja at least? Alhamdulillah, every believer, every mu'min as a result of the iman in his heart does feel something, undoubtedly. But Nabi Sallallahu used to be restless on this. And what can be more greater pain to Nabi Sallallahu than seeing some person heading towards the fire of Jahannam? So, does this move us? That we see the laws of Allah Ta'ala being trampled around us, the way of life of Nabi Sallallahu being trampled around us. Does it bring us to the point where we at least cry for ourselves? This is what the next word says, Harisun alaykum. He is Haris upon the Ummah. Haris is where a person has the ultimate feeling, the ultimate need. So Nabi Sallallahu had this greatest desire of good for the Ummah. What is the level of our desire for good for the Ummah? And matching that to some extent, some effort in that regard. This Uswa, Qazi Salaullah Panipati Rahimullah in the very famous Tafsir, Tafsir Bazhari, in the Tafsir of this ayat, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا In the various different interpretations he says, one of the things, that part of this uswa is also that you assist the deen of Allah Ta'ala as he assists the deen of Allah <laughs> And you also patiently bear anything that comes in your path like he patiently bears it. It's also part of the uswa. It's also part of the sunnah. So all these various different aspects of the life of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Pertaining to the inner self, pertaining to the outer self also. Person is not content that I just have a car to drive in, but outside is completely dented and scratched and everything is looking in state. So he wants it pick and span shiny. Whereas the engine is perfect, it will go as fast as any other car. But he doesn't want to drive it till it's sorted out. So the sunnah of Nabi Sallallahu inside is also important, outside is also important. Both is important. And what is inside, that will reflect outside. So, how we will bring all this, it requires that we learn about the life of Nabi Sallallahu 
we make his remembrance part of our life with the daily recitation of Guru Chari. At least a hundred times daily we should recite Guru Chari. And the shortest form of Guru Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Shortest form of Guru. If one counts, takes a little bit of small little exercise. Reciting hundred times Guru Chari won't take two, three minutes or so. I say properly, three minutes it might take to recite hundred times. But then if a person counts all those free moments in between, person is driving home, coming back, coming to work, coming to the masjid. If we accustom our tongue to the recitation of Guru Shari, we are coming to the masjid, we decide to perform our Sunnah Salah. And now there's five minutes, sometimes seven minutes, sometimes three minutes left for the first to start. Often many would just be, we'll be just sitting, we'll be looking left and right sometimes, or sometimes just sitting and thinking, okay, what else I have to do when I get back to the shop? But those few moments, while we are in the house of Allah, wa ta'ala, we engage our tongue in the recitation of Guru Shah, and then now and again, we keep our tongue moist with Guru Shari, you will see what rahmat and barakah comes. And the first favor we do with Guru Shari is to ourselves. Man salla alayhi salatan wahidatan, sallallahu alayhi biha ashara. The one who recites one durood upon Nabi Sallallahu Allah Ta'ala sends ten blessings upon him. So the biggest favor we are doing is to ourselves. But then we will also get the closeness to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. That the closest person to them on the day of Qiyamah will be the one who recites the greatest amount of Guru upon. So, this is in very brief words what is expected from these gatherings that we come with this intention, we speak with this intention, we listen with this intention, that how we can get closer to Nabi Islam. How we can get closer to his life, to his way of life. And by this, how can we get the love of Allah Ta'ala, get the mercies of Allah Ta'ala. And how can we be raised as a result with the Bisas on the day of Qiyamah. So for this we have to make an effort on our Iman, as we discussed, that the strength of Iman, to that extent, will become, this Uswa of Nabi Sallallahu will become beloved to us. Alhamdulillah, these efforts that are taking place, Jamaat that is here, all these daily efforts that take place in the masjid, the talim, whether it's the gush that takes place in the week, all the efforts in this regard is for the same purpose and object, strengthening of this iman. But when this reality of iman will come, then this uswa will come with it. Then we will be able to make an effort for the deen of the Bishasana. So how we can make this a part of our lives, we have to start now taking one step at a time, get ourselves involved, in the various activities of deen and inshallah step for step Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq that this uswa becomes more beloved to us than everything else in life following in the footsteps of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam becomes the greatest aspiration of our life this is at least the first step that deep down in our hearts we should have this desire Ya Allah I am not doing many of these things this is my weakness Ya Allah you give me the topic. I want to do it, it's my weakness I'm not doing it. The person who has this cry deep down in his heart to Allah Ta'ala will certainly grant it to him something. Yes it's our weakness, we are insan, we are human being. We have numerous weaknesses, we, which insan is perfect. Somebody is perhaps more little bit uh, more correct outside, somebody is more correct inside. No something that is not correct, nothing of that nature can be condoned. But nobody knows whose maqam is what by Allah Nobody can judge anybody else. 
Yes, what Allah Ta'ala has forbidden, what Nabi Sallallahu has forbidden, that is wrong. But despite that, nobody has the right to judge anybody. We have to be constantly looking out within ourselves. And everyone has to have that cry, Ya Allah, make me yours. Ya Allah, make me a true lover of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ya Allah, make me a true follower of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And provided that this cry is there, and together with this cry, we take one step, oh, a little bit forward, Allah Ta'ala's rahmat will rush towards us. May Allah Ta'ala give me and all of us the tawfiq, grant us the true love of Rasulullah Sallallahu grant us his kittiba, and enable us to follow Nabi Sallallahu in every aspect of our lives. May Allah Ta'ala use us to serve the deen of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam.